This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 33. The Lord calls on his people to love others enough and then even warn them if they're falling from the faith. This is the basis for the sermon today. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what we, you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? people of Israel. The word of the Lord. The plume of dust was there, forming below the horizon, but rising up above like a helium balloon and the higher in the air it got the bigger the cloud became until it dissipated into the thick dark and the thick hot desert air the sound of the drumbeat sound of hooves many many hooves could be heard Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And to the untrained ear, it was nothing. It was a faint, barely a whisper. But if you were listening, if you were paying attention, you could hear the sound of iron clattering against iron. Most people would not have thought anything of the sequence of sights and sounds. Many wouldn't have even been paying enough attention to observe them, but... Thank goodness the one who was called upon to pay attention was able to put the pieces of that puzzle together. Thank goodness that person was where they needed to be and they knew what they needed to do. They reached for the trumpet and blew out the the horn of warning. An enemy army is approaching. It was the job of the watchman to blow the trumpet, to sound the call, to make sure that everyone knew of an impending danger. That's why the watchman sat atop the city wall or in the tall tower. 
The watchman put himself or herself in a place where they could see things that couldn't be seen or observed by someone standing on the ground. They could look out and see miles and miles and were able to sound the alarm while danger was still far away. In ancient times, it was not at all uncommon for people to spend a great deal of time, some people all of their time, outside of the city walls. That's where crops would grow. That's where you would tend your flock. Some people lived in huts and houses outside of the city. Of course, those people were more vulnerable to the perils of the attack of an incoming army. They trusted in the watchman even more than most. And when the watchman saw that danger was approaching, he sounded the alarm. Not because it's fun to sound alarms and not because it breaks up what would be an otherwise pretty monotonous day and not because it's such a joy to disrupt the lives of those around them. No, he sounded the alarm because that was the only way to save Lives. When the alarm went out, those people were informed that danger was approaching. They could gather their things and come within the safety of the city wall. The army had an opportunity then to mount up their defenses to keep the lives of the people in the city safe. Ezekiel lived at a time when people would have paid particular attention to the watchmen on the wall. Because he lived at a time when the southern kingdom of Judah was declining in its power and influence. As such, powerful nations in the world were lining up to exert their power and their influence on the kingdom of Judah. For a time, it had been Egypt that held Judah under their thumb, exacting tribute and exerting influence until a more powerful nation came, Babylon, and cast the Egyptians to the side. King Nebuchadnezzar was dead set on conquest, and so he set his sights on Jerusalem. In 605 B.C., he laid siege to the city, carrying off a wave of deportees, including the prophet Daniel. Eight years later, he set his sights on Jerusalem again, laid siege to Jerusalem again, and this time took another band of exiles, the king himself, King Jehoiachin, and also Ezekiel. Priests in Israel would have to wait until they turned 30 before they could set out on their priestly duties. And had Ezekiel come of age in the city of Jerusalem, in the land of Judah, that's precisely what he would have done. But he had a Babylonian birthday bash. He turned the big 3-0 over in exile, and so he never had the opportunity. That birthright, the privilege of priesthood, was taken from him. Just one of the many pains of being separated from his homeland and from the temple of the Lord. Yet God had in mind something pretty special for Ezekiel. Perhaps even more special than just being a common priest, God chose Ezekiel to be his spokesman, to be the prophet of the Lord, to be the one that would minister to his exiled 
people. And so five years after the exile began, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. And in today's first reading, we have one of those callings from the Lord. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel, so hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Ezekiel knew full well the important role that a watchman plays in the livelihood and safety of the people. He knew that a watchman who doesn't watch and doesn't warn is pretty worthless, and it puts the people in danger. He also knew that there was a far greater enemy that was lurking in the shadows. Far greater and more powerful, more detrimental and deadly to them was the devil who sought to pick God's people off one by one. He sowed the seeds of discord and disdain among the people. He wanted to use the distance between them and the promised land, their homeland, to create distance between them and God himself. That's why God put Ezekiel on the wall. That's why God called Ezekiel to be a watchman, to shout those words of warning, to let them know that the devil was attacking, to be on their guard, and to resist his temptations. God called Ezekiel to be a watchman. And then he gave him the message that his people needed to hear. God has called you and he's called me to be watchmen as well. People who sit on a spiritual wall and care for the spiritual needs of others. People who stand guard and are ready to watch and warn when the enemy draws near. He's called us to be watchmen so that we might save others from disaster or destruction. The job description is pretty simple, but carrying it out is an entirely different matter. Actually carrying out the role of watchman, that's far, far harder. God tells us a bit of what it's like to take an interest, a keen interest, to stand guard of the faith of those in our lives. Jesus' words from our gospel tells us one way we can do that. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Lovingly, gently, humbly point out the sin that lingers in the lives of a loved one. Show them their sin. Help them to see it so that you can in turn point them to their Savior and his forgiving love. God calls us watchmen to pour out time and effort and energy. It might take blood, sweat, and tears to share this truth, this important, this vitally, eternally important truth. It takes patience, and it takes love. And if they don't listen, try again. And if they don't listen, find some help, one or two more. If they don't listen to those attempts, then find the church. Have the church help you give your words of warning. It's so important that they be spoken. Being a watchman is such an important task. 
but it's hard. Why is it so hard to be a watchman? Because even as you watch and see the devil lurking near the lives of those around you, even as you predict and tell of the attacks that you see being launched, it's only a matter of time before the devil puts you, the watchman, in his sights. It's only a matter of time before the attacks are headed in your direction. And it's pretty obvious why. The devil doesn't like it when people are watchmen. The fewer people are watchmen, the easier it is for him to wage a war against souls. And so he gives us every reason and every excuse and every temptation to shy back and to keep quiet. He whispers into our ears, who do you think you are? You're going to tell someone else how to live? A grown adult? You're going to tell an adult how to live their lives? You're going to tell them to make choices that you have no control over? Who do you think you are? He fills our hearts with fear that if we dare be a watchman, if we dare call out a a word of warning, that it's somehow going to come back to us. It's going to somehow come back and expose my faults or my weaknesses. He lies in a convincing argument and convinces us that really the primary objective is all about peace. As long as I have a relationship with this person, that's the only thing that matters. All different avenues, all different ends to the same, means to the same end. The watchmen are quieted, and the devil wins again in his skirmish for souls. So what do we do? How do we make it so that we aren't so vulnerable to these attacks of the evil one? How do we grow stronger than the temptation to be a worthless watchman? It really boils down to one word. Love. A fireman runs runs into a burning building because he loves the people inside. Even if they are people he's never met before, it's worth it to him to save lives. A soldier fights and risks his life so that someone else's life might be preserved and enhanced. And what about the one who has done both for us and so much more? And what about the one who has done those things not just for our physical lives, but for our souls? Jesus ran towards the fiery wrath of God's judgment, even though we fully deserved it, even though that was a fate that we had brought on ourselves because of our sins. Jesus risked his life, and more than that, he gave his life. It was a done deal that leaving heaven and coming to earth would cost him his life, and Jesus did it so that we could be with him forever. Jesus was the perfect watchman, watching and warning when the devil would attack And even more than just sounding a warning, he leapt into action and put himself between us and that danger. 
Christ Jesus bore the wrath of an angry God so that we could be whole, so that we could be washed clean and live with him forever. Christ Jesus fought our battles against Satan and won a decisive victory so that we could have life in his name. Life is what we gain from Jesus, and it's what God desires to give to all. That's why Ezekiel says, quoting God, who says, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. The Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's why he sent Jesus to trade places with us who would die so that we could live. The sovereign Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and that's why he sends watchmen out into the world to stand on spiritual walls and to issue words of loving warning to those who are dabbling in sin and danger. That's why he calls people everywhere to repent to seize the power that only he can give, that we might experience through repentance the power of his love. He desires that people turn from their evil ways and live. Ezekiel didn't jump up and down begging and pleading that God would choose him to be a watchman. In fact, I bet hardly anyone would beg or plead for a job like that, but knowing how vital a role it is and being asked by someone to carry it out, that's how most men and women ended up there on the wall. Ezekiel understood the vital importance of having a spiritual watchman, and so in service to the one who had served him far greater, Ezekiel accepted his role took up his post. You and I don't beg and plead for God to make us a watchman. But God, who has done so much for us, has come to us and asks us to serve us in this, serve him in this way. He has put us into the lives of people who need your heart of love, who need your selfless desire that salvation is gained by them. He's put you in the lives of people who don't know the way to heaven. And he's given you a message to share. Thank God for the opportunity to be a watchman. We can go with God and his promises. He never leaves us alone. We can carry out the tasks that he's given us, and we can watch him fulfill his promise of blessing all the way. No parent would ever shy back from telling their child not to play in a busy street. And no parent would ever shy back from speaking stern words if those words of caution were ignored. The consequences of silence. In that scenario, they're unthinkable. So a parent speaks. Brothers 
and sisters in Christ don't need to shy back from being a watchman, from issuing words of warning, even if it's going to prick a conscience. Even if the words are going to hurt the one who hears them. Even if you've got a hunch it's not going to be received very well. A brother or sister in Christ doesn't need to shy back from speaking words of caution, even stern words of caution when loving words are ignored. The consequence of silence, it's unthinkable. And so we speak. What's the point of watching? It seems like it might be a difficult or even dangerous task. It seems like it's not going to make any difference. It seems like it might be a losing proposition. What's the point? It's not a losing proposition. Speaking the truth in love is never futile. Seeking the straying, it's worth our effort every single time. Rejoice in the privilege you have to be a watchman and then rest in God's promises to do just that. Be bold, my fellow watchmen, and speak. Thank God for the opportunity that he gives you. The joy to know that he uses people like you and like me and his powerful word to draw people close to him. Love in Christ and life in Christ and making sure that both shine as brightly as possible. Winning hearts for the truth and souls for heaven, that's what it's all about. That's the point of watching. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.